In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. We are worshiping via podcast out of a concern for our neighbors and our church members uh, and to prevent the spread of this terrible virus that is ravaging our country and our world. Uh, For that reason, we have suspended in-person worship until the end of May, and instead we have these worship podcasts. We recognize that there is no place that we can go that is outside the Lordship of Christ, And so whether you are in your house or in your car or if you are anywhere else that you're listening to this podcast, we pray that you would experience the joy and the peace that comes with being with Jesus and know that your church family is worshiping together with you. In two weeks, May 31st, it will be Pentecost. Pentecost is the day that we, we remember in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit descended uh, like tongues of fire and filled the disciples and the church was born. Uh, we're going to be celebrating that and we've been preparing for that through the whole month of May with Pray for Pentecost, uh, which is a church-wide prayer initiative. We've been praying for different people in the church every day. We've had weekly prayers that kind of unite everyone in prayer. And then on May 28th, we are having a, uh, a day of prayer. Well, at least 12 hours, maybe more if we need it. But we are having 12 hours of prayer. And there is a sign-up uh, website that you can get through the Friday email And if you cannot get that Friday email, call the church office and we'll be happy to make sure that you get the sign-up website. And you sign up for a half-hour time slot and you can pray for the church, you can pray for the Holy Spirit to be working and moving in our midst so that the witness of Christ would be known uh, here in Oregon City. We are glad that you are worshiping with us this morning and we pray that the peace of Christ would be with you now and always. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. Dear Father, we bow before you. Again, we come to you to praise your name. And Lord, to recognize you as sovereign over all. We know, Lord, that you have control over this whole situation. And I ask that we as your children will look to you and put our faith and trust and our hope in you as we continue through this pandemic. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what it represents. And I ask that you be with us and that you would bless us as we move along. I thank you for the opportunity that we can do these podcasts and that we can bring to you through voice, a a sermon, prayer, music. Lord, I thank you for the prayers that you've already answered. I I thank you for the healings that have occurred. I also thank you, Lord, that you have 
kept our church body safe from the virus. Lord, yet there are still many prayer requests in our congregation. Lord, there are those who are ill. There are those who are um, having treatments. There are those who have relationship difficulties. There are those who are lonely. There are those who are in financial distress. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of them. And Lord, you already have a plan for them. And I ask that they put their faith and their trust in you. And they would follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as you make known to them the direction in which they should go. And Lord, during this time, loneliness is a problem with a lot of people who are confined to their home, who cannot get out and be among people. And Lord, I ask that they realize that you are never away from them. You are with them always. And Lord, as a congregation, I hope that we reach out to those who may have be lonely any means that we can through a note, through a telephone call, through possibly a Zoom get-together. And Lord, I ask that we would give them words of encouragement and that we would be with them during their time of loneliness. Lord, there's discussion about reopening. And there are some counties in the eastern part of the state that reopened yesterday. And Lord, I know that you have control of all of that. And I ask that you be with the leaders at the local, the state, the federal level who make these decisions. And Lord, I hope that their decision is made for the, for the people who they were elected to represent. Lord, I ask that you be with us service now, be with our pastor as he brings a message today. And that the words that he brings us are words of encouragement. And Lord, as I wrap up this prayer, I'm reminded of your servant David, who was going through a difficult time. And he said, after you rescued him out of the miry pits, and these are his words, He said, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And Lord, I ask that 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 be our witness to those that are around us. In your precious name I pray, amen. Scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 28. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. 
For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then, when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was a chilly November afternoon in Chicago, Illinois, and there was a a drizzle falling that made the the cold damp feel a little chillier. But uh, it didn't really seem all of that cold because I was very excited for what was about to happen. Thanks to the generosity of a good friend, Katie and I had been given tickets to see Hamilton, an American musical. Uh, If you haven't listened to Hamilton, the American musical, uh, there is some language in it that some people find objectionable, but it tells the story of one of America's forgotten founding fathers in a new way uh, and through a different lens. And I remember we, were, we got into the theater and, and made our way to our seats and we had our playbills with us and I was trembling with excitement because I must have listened to the musical 40 or 50 times in the year and a half that it had been released for public consumption uh, on audio files, but I had never gotten to see the staging and things. And so the the first song is called, appropriately, Alexander Hamilton, and it starts with the character of Aaron Burr walking out onto the stage. He's the only character who's on the stage, and it starts off with a mighty bump, 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 and he begins his song, and he begins telling the life story of Alexander Hamilton. And then more and more characters come out one at a time and they start telling bits and pieces of the story. And by the end of the first verse, Alexander Hamilton is at center stage. But then the story continues. And by the end of the song, you have all of the characters into place. Anybody who is going to be in the, the, the show at all is on the stage. And they all introduce themselves through song as part of this opening number. And they tell more or less the the big bullet points of the Hamilton story and, and Hamilton's life. And by the time you got through that opening number, I just thought, my goodness, What just a brilliant thing that we've seen because we started off with just one person and now the whole cast was on the stage and they had had explained all of this and then the rest of the story gets unfolded gradually throughout the show. When we look at this passage from 1 Corinthians, we're reminded of the journey that we've been on 
to the resurrection. And it's very similar to that gradual introduction of characters from Hamilton. Now, I'm not going to compare lots of biblical characters to characters from Hamilton. That's not what hap- that is not what is happening right now. I'm also not going to wrap any of Hamilton. That's also not happening right now. One, because nobody hears that. And two, I don't want copyright infringement. So what happens in the Bible is you start off back with Abraham. That's where the story begins. And even before Abraham, you have Adam. You have Adam and Eve, the first people who got to live and walk with God, and they disobeyed God. And then you have Abraham. And God makes a promise to Abraham that through Abraham, God would redeem the whole world, would bless and redeem humanity. And you had Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then you had uh, Joseph out of the 12 sons of Jacob, who proved to be uh, the rescuer of the rest of his family when the famine had struck, uh, had struck the land of Israel. And, and he rescued them to Egypt, and then they were enslaved in Egypt, and you had Moses who brought them out of Egypt as God stretched out his mighty hand and and his powerful arm. Um, And he brought them out of Egypt and God led them through Moses, with Moses through the desert. And Joshua took them into the promised land and David united all of the tribes together in one kingdom and showed what a king who was trying to follow God's heart could do to lead God's people. And then various things happened and and the exile happened and um, the Israelites were taken over and they were taken to Babylon and brought back. And then the prophets started talking a bit more explicitly about a time when God would rule directly over his people again. And he would bring justice and peace and he would settle all of the disagreements. He would defeat all of the enemies that had oppressed God's people Israel. And he would bring back from the dead all of those who had loved God and had belonged to God's people. And the prophet said, this is what's going to happen. But they were a little fuzzy on the how. Paul, writing 1 Corinthians chapter 15, being a nice young Jewish boy at one point in his life, learning all of these stories, being aware and familiar of what was going to happen and what the prophecies had been, Paul looks at Jesus and says, this is how the story fits together. Because the Jews called this the resurrection. And they believed that it was going to happen when God ruled physically amongst his people. And so Paul, having had an encounter with Christ, says, yes, this is how it happens. God has come and he has been born 
born of a man, born, born of man and woman, a son of Adam, so to speak, but yet he is also God who has come to live amongst his people. He's crucified, taking all of the evil, all of the sin, all of the, the horrifying disobedience and destruction of humanity into his own body and is murdered as a joint effort between the religious leaders and the Roman Empire and is resurrected. And Paul says, this is how it's happening. And so far we've had these, this growing swell of a chorus and now we've got the whole curtain open and we can see Paul lays out for us very clearly what's happening here. And not just what has happened, but what's to come. He gives us, if you will, the, the mechanics, the nuts and bolts of how this is going to happen, of how God's rule over his people will arrive. And it started through Jesus. Jesus has to rise from the dead. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, he's just another suspected Messiah who had been murdered by whatever political power. Jesus wasn't the first guy that had been crucified with the suspicion of being Messiah. He was just the first one to rise from the dead. And so Jesus rises from the dead and now he reigns. Verse 25, Paul says that Christ must reign until all enemies, all powers and, and authorities are defeated and they are undone. Because when God reigns directly over God's people, we have no need for the, the governing authorities of humanity, for the, the nations of the world, for tribalism, for, for everything like this, because God reigns and God rules, will rule directly over us all. The dead in Christ rise. Those who, who belong to Jesus rise as promised. And the final enemy of God, which is death, is defeated. And then begins the rule of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this all happens with Jesus returning to earth. Jesus comes back to earth and starts all of this. And it happens here, and God renews all of creation at this one moment in time. Now, there's a lot that, that I just said there, and there's a lot that's going on. But sometimes having a picture of the future helps us to understand and feel better about where we are right now. 
For example, if we had 100% verifiable knowledge that maybe in two months, someone would discover a miracle cure for this virus, it'd be a lot easier to stay inside, wouldn't it? We wouldn't be so restless if we knew 100% for sure, but we don't. And so we continue to take precautions. If we know how things are going to be with God's eternal future, it shapes how we live for Jesus in the present. One thing that it changes for us, knowing all of this, is it frees us from worry and fear. I have this app on my phone. It's called Dark Sky, and it's a weather app. And it has, it has rescued me more times than I can count because it has this wonderful feature called the umbrella alert. And clearly, they're not from Oregon because no one uses umbrellas here. It would be called a hood alert if, it was from if the founders were from Oregon, maybe. And what the, the umbrella alert does is when rain is nigh, or any precipitation for that matter, uh, when it's on the way, with as much warning as it can give you, it says, drizzle starting. It's very descriptive. Drizzle starting, light rain starting, heavy rain, downpour. These are all things that I've mostly seen since moving to Oregon. <laughs> but it gives you a warning so you'll know if you're outdoors that maybe, maybe you need to find somewhere else to be. Uh, or if you are going outdoors, that you can make sure that you're properly attired. If I know what's coming, I don't have to worry about it. And if we know that Jesus reigns, then we don't have to worry about things. We don't have to live our lives in fear. All things right now are under Jesus' authority, but we live in a world that doesn't fully recognize that authority. Because Jesus doesn't rule through military power and might. He doesn't rule through fear and coercion. He rules through love. He rules through peace, forgiveness, and reconciliation. This is what the kingdom of God looks like and so do we still have problems right now? Yes, we do. Are there things that we don't know that they are coming? Of course. Do we have every right to mourn the things in this world that go wrong? Yes, completely. But we know that the things that go wrong in this world are not the last say. Because the reign of Jesus means that love and peace wins in the end. Jesus' reign means that he is in control. And so when I think about my future, when I think about the future of our church, when I think about the future of our city, 
I don't have to worry because I know that Jesus is in control and that if we submit ourselves to his reign and his rule and his priorities, that things are going to go a lot better than otherwise. Another thing that is encouraging to know for the future is the defeat of death. Death, interestingly, is the last enemy of God, Paul says. And when we think about death, we can live our lives out of the fear of death very easily. And there are some sensible things that that come out of that. Uh, I take my vitamins every morning because, why? I would like to live longer and maybe popping the vitamin D and the vitamin B and the vitamin C will prolong my existence so that I can love and serve Jesus. Since May 1st, I have run a half marathon uh, with the hopes that some of the weight that I've gained during the uh, quarantine and isolation can be shed from my body and I can avoid the heart disease that is in my family genetics. There are some things about, about living out of the fear of death that are healthy, but there are also some things that seek to control us. We, live, we can live lives that are so sheltered and fearful and overcautious that we shut ourselves off from others, that we shut ourselves off from ex- opening our arms to the world. C.S. Lewis said that there is a way that you can shelter yourself from hurt. This is my paraphrase of his words. But to do that, you have to lock your heart away in a box so tightly that nothing else can get in, including love. If we know that death is to be defeated and we are to rise, that doesn't change the fact that death is the single most mournful event that we recognize on earth. But it also empowers us to live by Jesus' ways and priorities, to live out the resurrection by working for love, working for peace, working to care for the the least of society without fear of what might happen to us. It's this recognition that death is not the end that has empowered, along with the Holy Spirit, that has empowered missionaries to go into far-off countries that has empowered people to start new things that have, have challenged destructive ways in our society. Knowing that there would be people, powerful people, violent people, who would oppose them. Because of this, we know that the patterns of war and violence in humanity 
are not the end. That this is not the fate. We live in the fullness of life knowing that we will rise rather than living out of the fear of death. We also know that we have work to get started on. Imagine, if you will, that you have, uh, you've been contacted by uh, a friend who lives far away, and they say, I'd like to come to visit. Could, could I come over and, and visit and, and, spend, and spend some time with you? Oh, sure, that would be great. That'd be very exciting. Oh, wonderful. And you set up a date, and you set up a time. Wonderful, perfect. And then a week later, they call again. You know, I'm coming to visit. I'm really excited about it. Oh, I'm excited about it too. And you have this conversation. You know, maybe you text about it and you post about it on Facebook and you call each other or FaceTime or whatever. And finally, the time comes when, when the friend comes to visit and there's a knock on the door and they open the door and the drying rack for your clothes is still in the living room and you've got dirty plates sitting in the sink and the, there's a blanket strewn all over the couch and it just looks like a mess. And your friend goes, what happened? I, I, I thought you knew I was coming. Oh, well, I knew you were coming, so, but I, I just figured you know, we'd, we'd f- take care of everything when you got here. It'd be a little weird. It'd be a little off-putting, especially if you were the friend. But we know Jesus is returning. We know this is going to happen. We've had the advanced news of this, and it's good news. But that doesn't mean that we just sit back and say, ah, Jesus is going to return. He's going to set everything all right. Hey, I don't have to do anything. There's a lot of questions we would have to answer if we really lived that out truly. But here is some of the questions that I think we could be asking ourselves. Did we care for God's creation? God created a world and put humanity in the midst of it and put humanity in charge of it. And did we care for each other, but did we care for Trees and soil and rivers and air and water? Did we appreciate and and tend to the beauty of this place that God has placed us in? Did we make sure that we were treating the, the soil well and treating the animals well? Did we extend welcome to others in God's family? We know we're a part of God's family. But did we welcome other people into God's family? Did we get uncomfortable in extending this welcome to God's family? Did we welcome people that that we don't necessarily think could be a part of the family, but that God has said they're just as worthy as you are because they're made in my image too? Did we challenge evil and violence and destruction in Jesus' name? There's a lot of things that work for death in our world. 
there's a lot of things that work for selfish gain and greed. And there's a lot of people who unfortunately have realized that the easiest way that they can get what they want is by pointing some sort of weapon at it and making a threat. Have we as followers of Jesus said, this is not the way to live? Have we as followers of Jesus said, we need to care more for humanity than to threaten life? Do we care more for humanity than to put our needs ahead of other people's needs? See, if Jesus' reign, if the reign of God directly over humanity is going to bring peace and justice and love and mercy, let's get started on that now. Let's not wait. Let's find ways to fulfill that line from the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. I don't get tired of saying it. Because it's so succinct in its mission. It was, it seems like a very long time ago that Holy Week happened. That we remember Jesus' death on the cross and we celebrated his resurrection. And when Melissa and I were initially planning these, these few weeks uh, between the resurrection and Pentecost. They were tentatively titled, What's Changed? And so that's the question that I want to leave you with this morning. What's changed? Because if the resurrection is everything we know it to be, then something has to change. And whether it's in your life or in your world or in your relationship, there's nothing that the resurrection of Christ shouldn't touch. That Jesus' reign doesn't have an influence on. And so what's changed? What's different? Because we know how the story ends. But we also know that there's at least some of the story that's left up to us to write in the meantime. The resurrection, what's changed? a drop in the ocean even before there was a star in the sky even before the world was put in motion you were on your throne you were on your throne you reign 
glory in the highest you reign Let creation testify by your name Every knee will bow and every tongue Proclaim that Jesus reigns Even before your hand made the heavens Even before the breath of all mankind Even before we had to be forgiven You were on your throne You were on your throne You reign Glory in the highest you reign Testify by your name Every knee will bow and every tongue Proclaim that Jesus reigns Glory in the highest you reign Because it is the practice of our church to come to the Lord's table on the first and third Sundays of the month, we are now doing just that. Via Zoom, we do have a communion time set up uh, on Sunday morning, May the 17th. And if you are able to join with us on that Zoom, then uh, you, you don't need to take the Lord's Supper uh, right now. Uh, but if for whatever reason you're not able to join us on that Zoom, then you can go ahead and, and celebrate the Lord's table with us as we go along. And if you would like, a, if you are listening to this and it is before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time uh, on, on Sunday, May the 17th, then you can email the church um, and we will get you the link and, and the information to join that Zoom. When we come to the Lord's table, it is a table that Jesus has set for us. On that night that he was betrayed, by his word, the room was prepared and the, and the table was set. And so Jesus has commissioned this table and blessed this table and is present here with us. And as we eat the bread, and as we drink the cup, we recognize that 
It's also by Jesus' provision that those things exist. They are two simple substances uh, made from the things of this earth, the wheat of the field and the grape of the vine. And so as we come to the Lord's table, we realize the fullness of God's provision and love for us. both physically and in his kingdom. Because in this meal, we recognize Jesus' death on the cross and the coming kingdom where we will celebrate this meal all together as God's people. And so we are reminded of this by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. As we remember what Jesus did on the cross, take this piece of broken bread and eat it and remember. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And with this cup, we remember that through Jesus, we are welcomed into the family of God. We are welcomed into the kingdom of God. And so take and drink. And the final word from the Apostle Paul, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. I'd like you to join me in prayer using the week three prayer for Pray for Pentecost. Let's pray together. Almighty and merciful God, in your goodness, keep us, we pray, from the things that may harm us, that we, being ready both in mind and body, may accomplish with a free heart those things which belong to your purpose. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us this morning for worship. Uh, I would like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for his prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for uh, reading scripture for us. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our director of music, for her song. 
I'd like to thank Gary Hunley, our audio engineer, and his wife, Doreen, the assistant audio engineer. Next week is Ascension Sunday, uh, the Sunday that we talk about what the Ascension is and, and what it means for us. Uh, we'll be back in the book of Acts, which is the sequel of sorts. Maybe the continuation would be a better word to the book of Luke. And so you can be ready for that. And then the week after that will be Pentecost. So get your red clothes out of the closet because we wear red for Pentecost. And as always, remember, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, and wash your hands. Amen.